The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the host of the longest running podcast on dance, Balancing Point Podcast, and the owner and CEO of the world's largest podcast network dedicated solely to dance. We currently host 10 shows on the network, each providing you with amazing value and insight into the world of dance. And one of these shows is called Pod to Chat, hosted by Barry Carolis. And if you've not had a chance to listen to his show, now is the time. He recently produced an episode called Holiday Shopping Ideas for Dancers. On this show, he gathered recommendations from each of the hosts featured on the Premier Dance Network. Not only that, but some of the hosts offered some amazing giveaways. So if you're looking for gift ideas or would like a chance to win one of the giveaways offered, stop by Premier Dance Network and click on Barry's show, Pod to Chat. All right, so let's get started with today's episode of Pod to Chat. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Path to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Hanukkah, or Happy Christmaka or whatever you are celebrating. (laughs) The holidays are officially here, and we Jews get to celebrate along with ye Christians on the same day this year. What a better way to finish a year of divisiveness and disagreement than to celebrate the holidays together. At least we get to end on this beautiful holiday-rific, enjoying warmth, caring, and kindness note. And in big news, today is the end of our holiday shopping ideas for dancers giveaway here on the Premier Dance Network. So if you didn't listen to that podcast back a few weeks ago, uh, all of our uh, hosts from the Premier Dance Network uh, gave their holiday shopping ideas so that we could help you guys out for uh, shopping ideas, gift ideas for those sometimes difficult to to shop for dancers. Um, And as a part of that giveaway, we had three of our hosts donate uh, a giveaway uh, for, for our listeners. So I wanted to announce who our winners are for that. So let's start off with our winner uh, of a 30-minute free confidence-building coaching session for any performing artist wishing to gain more confidence in one particular area. And this is given away by Gina Pirro of The Gina Pirro Show, Living Life Full Out. And the winner of this one is Cassandra, or Cassandra Tumaz. Um, and I don't, I don't have a location where she's from, but she is our winner. So we will be sending you an email with information on how to get, uh, how to claim your prize. All right. Um, so congratulations, Cassandra. Next up, we have our book giveaway from Kimberly Falker, who is the host of the Balancing Point podcast. And she is giving away an, an ebook 
that she wrote called Secrets of Successful Auditions, Top Tips from Today's Top Experts. And the winner of this prize is Sarah Wilkerson from Columbus, Ohio, um, and she is a trainee at Ballet Met. So congratulations, Sarah. We'll be contacting you, too, with information on how to claim your free ebook. And our final prize giveaway came from Jess Spinner, who runs the Whole Dancer podcast, and she is giving away an eight-week uh, membership to her online program called the Dancer's Best Body Program, where you can gain the tools needed to make the right food choices consistently, and you'll find out how to meet your unique needs as a dancer while moving towards your body goals. And the winner of this one is... I feel like I need a drum roll. <laughs> the winner is Caitlin Deo, who is a trainee with Minnesota Dance Theater up in the Minneapolis area of Minnesota. So congratulations. Again, we'll be reaching out to you with information on how to uh, collect your prize. And we're so happy for everybody. Uh, or We're so happy and thankful for everybody for uh, reaching out to us. So... Congratulations to the winners of PDN's first holiday giveaway. We hope you enjoy your gifts and get back to us with what you thought of your prizes. Aside from this big excitement, I want to take a moment to let everybody know that I will be teaching a seven-week series of classes at Broadway Dance Center every Friday in the new year from January 6th through February 24th. Classes start at 6 p.m. and it is uh, an advanced beginner level, which is great for those of you working towards an intermediate level or for those who are more advanced uh, or professionals that want to slow down a little bit and really work on refining their technique. So come on by if you're in New York City and be sure to let me know that you are a podcast listener if you do stop by. Speaking of teaching, I thought I'd talk about exactly that this week. I recently encountered a teaching situation where I was asked to completely alter my teaching methods to accommodate not the request of the organization, but the requests of parents and, and students. This definitely threw me off my game because I'm not used to parents calling the shots in their children's dance education, a field that many of them know relatively little about. But I try to take every critique that I receive as an opportunity to learn and expand my teaching skills. Because, as always in life, I think you should have the opportunity to try something new out and see if it improves you. And if it does, you keep it. And if it doesn't, you just kick it to the curb. But it doesn't hurt to try. So I want to explore this idea a little bit, the idea of whether parents have the right to influence how instructors train their, their kids in, in the art form of dance. First, let me give you a, a bit of an idea of what I'm like as an instructor or what I've been told by those who have watched or experienced me teaching. And then I'll continue with this topic from there. I'm, I'm a very hands-on instructor that likes to share unique imagery, and really, I, I try my best to create conversation in class between me and my students. I like my students to be able to verbalize their dancing while developing the ability to critically analyze why and how they are performing exercises and choreography. While I'm not mean, I have been told that I am extremely intense and passionate in the studio. And if you aren't used to that, it can be a bit off-putting at first because I'm, I'm pretty aggressive in, in trying to get my students to be in class and present in the, in the moment and to always be trying their hardest. 
I, I always say it takes about three weeks for many students to recognize the quality of my methods and to adapt to my style. But once I get them on board, it is usually smooth sailing from then on. I come from a, a foundation of a recreational dance school where teachers are more lighthearted and often more interested in the idea that kids are having a good time uh, and getting some fitness in at an after-school activity. Uh, and it, it's not necessarily that they're striving for a, a professional career in dance. Uh, there also wasn't as much physical correcting in these classes, you know, like hands-on uh, instructors moving students into the proper positions. Um, and I, I didn't receive that much uh, physical correction as, as I did once I got into my finishing training. Eventually, I moved on to summer programs where I had a variety of teachers, uh, from those similar to my recreational teachers, to intense, if not downright strict teachers that didn't offer compliments, really ever, um, and that were very hands-on in their, their practice. At this point, also, I started to become more comfortable with those hands-on corrections as it, it became clear that a student can't always understand how to move their body based off of only verbal cues. All of my initial training, it changed greatly when I experienced my most intense year of training ever. When I arrived at the Kirov Academy of Ballet in Washington, D.C. at the young age of 17 back in 2001. I experienced a teacher that often had us learn through fear more than positivity. And when I trained at the Kirov, for the most part, we had the same ballet instructor every single day for the entire year. It wasn't like we had a different teacher every day or the same teacher two or three times a week. We had the same teacher for every class that we had. Uh, but yeah, they, they taught us more through fear than, than positivity. And if we received physical corrections, they were often aggressive and forceful to get exactly what the teacher was looking for. It was a completely different world than what I was used to, but it was quite valuable for me as I didn't have much time to make up for missed years of uh, focusing on my ballet training. I was more of a competition kid and a jazz, musical theater, uh, modern dancer. I feel that every good dance educator takes the lessons of their training and tries to develop an, an approach to teaching that takes the best of their own education and improves upon those things that the instructor felt were less than helpful or positive uh, when, when they were learning the art. Nobody wants to repeat the mistakes of the past, as I've heard spectacular teachers tell horror stories about how they were taught to dance well, and they didn't want uh, their students to have to experience those same things. So when I embarked upon my career as a ballet and contemporary instructor over five years ago, I did exactly this. I tried to refine my skills to offer the tools that were most helpful to me in my training while working effectively to negate the items that were negative and trying to make sure that there was an emotional health aspect to my teaching as well, even if I do still share a very intense approach to my, my teaching methods. So let's get back to the idea of parents getting involved in uh, quality teachers' methodology. Dance training is very different from studio to studio, uh, town to city, and country to country. Uh, for instance, the, the Russians, if you want to get into a, a good ballet school, they measure their students at a young age. I can't remember if it's seven or eight or nine, um, but they actually take measurements. <laughs> they check the flexibility of their, their limbs. Um, 
and uh, they won't accept you into many of their elite, elite programs if you don't naturally have the genetics for ballet. Other countries have a variety of schools, but also uh, have these state-run schools with stricter expectations. As I've mentioned in my previous episode about different types of dance schools in the U.S., there is probably the widest range of options to train students in dance here in our very own country. It's funny because we really uh, base the concept of our country off of the idea of freedom, and it's almost like our art form has followed that same pathway. There are many options free they, 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 in order to have a career they you need the freedom of many options to uh, to train i don't know i'm going off on a tangent let's get back on track which uh i, I think it's a, it's a good thing that there are these options but it's also a bad thing because it gives everybody a chance to enjoy dance training um but uh, at the same time there are some issues and i want to explore one of those here so when Susie and Johnny enter the dance studio for the first time, say at the age of three or four, their parents often aren't thinking about dance as a potential career option. Many dance parents don't look for a dance school in the same way that they look at the quality of a child's academic school. They think dance will be a fun outlet and that Susie will look cute wearing that tutu, or Johnny might look cute holding Susie's hand as they skip around the classroom. But at a certain point, for many young dancers, they fall in love with ballet, or dance, or whatever you're taking, and it becomes more than just a good outlet for the boundless energy of a child. Many students imagine making the dance life their lifestyle, but most parents aren't necessarily prepared for this. And as this happens, some parents adapt, and they alter their perception of what dance training is, and what, is, what they think is acceptable in a dance studio, and some don't. Now, let me, let me start off this next part by stating that the early years of a student's training are the most integral. In, in ballet especially, students should be spending a majority of their time in class at the bar, performing simple exercises with tiresome repetition over and over and over and over again. The teachers need to get their hands on the students and show their bodies how to make the requisite shapes that are required in a ballet dancer's career. While it may be possible to pass this information on to students only by using words, people learn a multitude of, uh, or people learn in a multitude of different ways. And taking verbal information in, digesting it mentally, and putting it into one's muscles is rarely a quality that a child possesses naturally. But more often than not, in the United States, teachers are reluctant to put their hands on a child to physically adjust a student to show safe and proper alignment, posture, epaulement, line of the leg and foot, and more. And it's often for reasons that they, they fear that they may be risking uh, losing their career if a parent goes as far as taking legal action if they feel that they're doing something inappropriate. So... Why, why is this that, that these parents aren't, or not these parents, but these teachers aren't, uh, aren't doing these physical corrections? Um, aside what I've already said, I'm not completely positive, but at times I feel that parents are oversensitive to news stories that they've heard on, on media um, or that they've seen shared on social media. Um, I understand the need for a parent to protect their child from bad things happening to them. I don't have kids, but I could just imagine. I mean, I'm pretty protective of my cats. <laughs> so if it was my child, it would be a completely different story. But the likelihood of inappropriate behavior from a quality dance instructor is practically nil. 
it is easy to hear something in the news once or read something on social media once and feel like bad things are happening everywhere and could happen to anybody. But if a parent does their proper research and trusts the school enough to pay thousands of dollars into tuition and to commit to an entire year of training, I would hope that they trust the faculty that works there. I think the other major issue at play here is that a parent is paying into their child's education. It's not like they're just being given it. Uh, and in these Russian schools and a lot of other schools, the kids aren't, they're state supported. Uh, so the state's essentially paying for the tuition. They're not, the families aren't paying into the kids' training. Um, so here in the U.S., sometimes parents are paying a lot of money investing in their kid being in class. And I get this part because I feel the same way about many services that I am investing income into as well. Since parents are putting so much of their hard-earned salary towards their kids' dance training, they feel that they should have some type of say in how their child is treated, maybe how their kid is casted, what level their kids are in, and, and a lot more. But dance is unlike other services where, say, you pay for cable and the cable company doesn't live up to their standard of service. Obviously, you're going to speak up and make sure that you're getting what you paid for. But it just doesn't work this way in dance. And while this is often ignored, it is for the most obvious reasons. As I said before, most parents aren't trained in the art of dance, and many don't see it as a career option, even though they pay thousands of dollars into tuition, point shoes, costumes, and, and other, other items related to dance. For this reason, they don't always investigate the true reasons for certain things that happen in the studio. This is when you get the, why are you touching my daughter or son with your hands? <laughs> Simple answer, as if I haven't explained it enough. Dance is the physical art form of masterful muscle control. And sometimes the brain just can't figure out how to engage a certain muscle that is necessary for alignment and execution based off of a verbal cue. Not only do these corrections educate students properly, but they also help prevent injury by ensuring that dancers aren't dancing out of alignment. This is where injury usually happens. Another time that I've seen parents step forward and try to uh, instruct the instructor on how to instruct their kids um, has been uh, when uh, a teacher isn't coddling their child with compliments and, and saying how positively that they're dancing, or perhaps uh, they, they're concerned why you were so difficult on a student on a particular day. This is easy because a dance career is both physically and emotionally difficult. And if a student isn't trained to deal with both the physical and emotional challenges of a dance career, they will either have an extremely short career or they may miss out on it altogether. Uh, I always say that a professional dance career is survival of the fittest, uh, physically and emotionally. And uh, there, there are many aspects of training that go into it. These ideas may be difficult for a parent to grasp, especially if they don't have wishes of seeing their kid have a profession, a profession in dance. What I feel that I'm trying to get across in today's episode, and if you can't tell, I'm very passionate about this. This is kind of how I teach. But if, if you're... Uh, what, what I'm trying to get across is that those of us instructors who truly care about our students and their futures treat every day in the studio as a step towards a career in dance. Because those of us who have had careers know that it can be a lifestyle. 
Dance instruction is not typical and it does not mimic a classroom in an academic school where kids are fed information, then they sit there, they think about that information, and then maybe they do their homework or if they're asked a question in class, they respond to it. it, it it's not like that. It's, it's a physical art form. And it is important for parents to respect that. While they may not envision or even want Susie or Johnny to embark on a journey towards a career in dance, that they, they need to treat the studio as a place where kids will be taught properly and given all of the tools to have a career, whether or not that is exactly what they wanted or whether or not it is an option for them. The problem here is when parents start trying to call the shots, like asking for no physical corrections, limiting verbal information sharing, scolding instructors for holding students accountable to performing at their best, giving students the options to skip class in order to spend more time studying for tests or to complete homework, and, and so much more, dance education unfortunately loses its integrity. Parents feel like they can make these decisions for teachers because they don't necessarily respect that we aren't teaching kids only to have fun. We're teaching them an art form that could become their career. We're teaching them discipline, respect, group work, dedication, problem solving, community, art history, strength of mind, strength of body, fitness, music appreciation, verbal and nonverbal communication, and so much more. See, there's so much to say. I had to write all that down because I didn't want to forget anything. And if a student is missing class to uh, focus or to do their homework, um, it's actually teaching them not to be disciplined. Like it's, it's this idea that there, there's so much that you get from the dance studio that feeds into the rest of your life, not just into your, your future career, but how you are as a human being. Um, and it, it's, it's difficult when parents are making those decisions. I'm very passionate about teaching, and I, I just really felt that this needed to be addressed. As always, I, I promise to bring you the most candid content about our amazing art form. And I feel today got it really uh, extremely candid. Um, and I, I feel very passionate about this. And I, I'm really curious to see how all of my listeners, uh, all of you guys are, are going to respond to this. So please do let me know what you think about this. Um, you can contact me at my on my website contact page uh, at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrycorollis.com. And I, I urge you, I really want to hear from you guys. Let me know what your thoughts are on uh, the topic of today's podcast. Should parents be telling teachers what they think is an appropriate way to teach? Um, or is it really, uh, do the teachers need complete and total ability to uh, approach their teaching methods uh, in the way that they, they feel is suitable? I'd love it if you reached out to me and shared your opinion, so please do. <laughs> Uh, I hope that you all have a wonderful holiday this coming weekend. And with that said, uh, let's close the show off. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to Mia, to Mia me via my website contact page that I just mentioned. If you missed it, you can find me at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrycorollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements.
I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. You can find us on premierdancenetwork.com, that's P-R-E-M-I-E-R dancenetwork.com, or on iTunes. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over four years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Carolus, featuring my choreography, and Core-ography, featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod to Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene. Thank you.